How much should we give away for free on our podcasts? I know that question has probably gone through your mind at least once or twice. When you're using your podcast as a way to drive new customers to your offers, it can be really challenging to know where to draw the line when it comes to information that you share in your episodes versus information that you teach in your courses, memberships, or digital products. I have my friend Christina on the podcast today to talk all about how to navigate this. She shares about the difference between giving the what and the why versus the how of your expertise, how giving away too much could actually be hurting your audience, and things to consider about your marketing and sales funnels. Just a little side note, we talk a little bit about TPT bundles, and I think that this is a really great thing to lean into if you are promoting a lot of TPT products in your episodes. Overall, I think this episode is going to really challenge you to think about how you might want to tweak the content that you're creating for your podcast and for places like social media. Coach Stina is a marketing and sales funnel consultant who restructures, aligns, and creates funnels so that her clients are able to book 24K on average in additional revenue while working with her. Christina has become a six-figure business in less than a year, but most importantly, she loves ensuring that her clients land the clients of their dreams. Let's go ahead and get started. Your podcast is a powerful tool that serves your audience and your business. But how do you manage it all, bring in new listeners, and convert those listeners into customers? That's what this show is all about. Welcome to Podcasting for Educators. I'm Sarah Whitaker, classroom teacher turned podcast manager, and I'm here to help you get the most out of your show, all while making an impact on other educators. Stina, how are you? Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for being here. Hi, Sarah. Thank you so much. I feel so honored that you have me. I know that your audience is doing amazing things with selling their TBT products, courses, memberships, all the things. And so I can't wait to dive in today. Me too. And I know that you have so much great advice and expertise on the concept of selling in general, which is going to be a really great perspective to have today. And You are correct. Lots of the people listening are using their podcast to build trust with their listeners, build these relationships with their listeners, and ideally convert those listeners to their online courses or memberships or purchasing their TPT Mm -hmm. products. So really trying to monetize their podcast with their own offers. And something that they really struggle with, a question I get all the time is, how much do I give away on my podcast? How much detail do I give to people? Because these people listening are educators and that's what we do is we teach and that's just like (laughs) what's natural to us. So when it comes to talking about a topic on your podcast that you're trying to then bring people over to a paid offer that connects to that topic, it's like, okay, how do I differentiate what I'm giving away for free on my podcast and what information they're getting when they pay for my product or resource or whatever it is. So I am really excited to get your advice on this because it can be really challenging. (laughs) Yeah, I would agree that it's like totally reverse psychology for a teacher to be like, wait, (laughs) I can't give away my full how-to. What is this, right? So let's start with the fact that a podcast would be considered a freebie. 
Other words for that are an opt-in, a lead magnet, right? It's something that you're using to attract your audience to your brand in the hopes that they would eventually purchase something from you, right? So this also means in terms of funnels that your podcast is a part of your marketing funnel. So what we often find is that as educators, because we love to give that how-to, we have multiple freebies. We have multiple things that we are using as those opt-ins to try and pull in our audience. And while people are finding real and true value from that, what ends up happening is you cause your audience to believe that they can get everything that they need and want from you through these free resources, right? So they don't necessarily feel any kind of urgency to be like, oh, let me go pay money for this next thing because they're like, oh, well, there's just going to be another such and such that, you know, this person is going to roll out. So when I use that term reverse psychology, right? How do you actually do that and talk in a way on your podcast where you're not giving someone your step-by-step method for, hey, here's how to do this. Instead, you really have to tap into what are someone's pain points? So when you think about who your ideal client is, what are they struggling with and why? So the fun part is you still get to educate them, but instead of giving them your framework or giving them your method or giving them your steps, you're giving them the reasons why they are struggling, why they aren't achieving the results that they want. And I always say that it's doing someone a disservice when we make them believe that they can do everything that we do to the level that we do it just by following these steps. Because the truth is you're the expert. Now, if you can give someone that really and truly in a matter of 10 minutes or in a freebie, awesome. But what I most often find is that those steps or those procedures or whatever is not actually achievable for someone to implement on their own without you. And so then you create this gap for the ideal client and they don't feel that success. And so that could be another reason that they're not coming back to buy from you is because they've tried it and they're like, well, this wasn't enough. And so it kind of shuts them down and they don't want to come pay you money. Yeah. I mean, that makes complete sense. It's like this false hope that that if you're giving all of your step by step by step, you hear it and you think, oh, well, I can do this. I can go do this. And then you don't. <laughs> and you realize exactly. that it's, it's harder than you think. So the perfect example, and I work with quite a few tutors. And so one of the perfect examples, right, is let's say that you are trying to help parents teach kids how to read. And instead of giving them the actual activities to do at home, you're instead educating them on why their child has a reading gap. Mm. So what are those root causes of why those issues are existing? And if they want those solutions to actually what to do at home, then they have to pay you money. So this is where we get into like the sales funnel and the offers that we have inside the sales funnel. So a lot of the times too, the reason, you know, an educator's higher ticket course or offer or whatever it might be isn't selling is because there are so many low ticket offers, which would be considered anything over zero and up to 200. Mm -hmm. So you have so many of those that it's not really driving them towards that one big thing that you want to sell them where you could provide all of those 
little offers as a bonus or as a add-on. And so there's, again, this gap between why would someone have an urgency to purchase your high ticket course or whatever you have going if they're getting all this other value that they need inside your freebies or inside your low ticket offers. Mm, Yes. Now, can I back up just a little bit in case there's anybody Mm -hmm. who is listening and maybe you're newer to business, can you kind of give us an overview of like what a sales funnel is? Absolutely. So first of all, let's debunk the myth that funnels are not complicated and (laughs) you don't, (laughs) you don't have to pay for ads. Like ads do not have to be a part of your funnel. And a lot of the times too, like I hear people saying, oh, well, I want to build my business organically. And a funnel actually helps you do that. All a funnel is, is a step-by-step process that you take your customer through. So for example, once they get that freebie, what do you want them to do next? What do you want them to do after that? And oftentimes there are way too many steps. So your marketing funnel, again, are any steps that cost the ideal client $0. Your sales funnel is once you actually start charging money. So in your sales funnel, it would be, okay, here's what I want for my ideal client to purchase first. Here's what I want them to purchase next. And here's what I want them to purchase after that. I personally coach my clients to sell one offer really, really well in their sales funnel that makes them the big bucks. And so we eliminate a lot of those lower ticket offers that their audience is buying to make more money all at once and then in the long run. Now, it might take longer for that traffic to convert, right? Meaning it might take longer for them to buy from you because it is more expensive, but it does pay off because again, you're going to be making way more money in a year than you would selling a bunch of those low ticket offers. And hey, there are people that make a ton of money selling low ticket offers. And if that is you, amazing, keep doing what you're doing. But what I often find is people that are doing that, like they are jam packed with so much value. And that is the primary thing that they are selling, right? Mm -hmm. They don't have a thousand options for their ideal client to choose from. So to summarize marketing funnel before your ideal client pays you, it's the steps you want them to take to eventually to get them to buy from you. Most of us actually already have a lot of those steps, such as podcasts, such as social media, such as a freebie, such as an email newsletter. Those would all be steps in your marketing funnel. And then in your sales funnel, again, those are all of your different offers in the order that you want them to sell. Yeah, that's a really cool way of explaining it. And it's almost kind of like when you think about your sales funnel, you're thinking about like the customer journey that you want them to take exactly. from offer to offer. You were talking about like when you like a lot of people on TPT have a lot of these smaller ticket items, like things that are even as low as like $1, $2. And the thing with those is that you really have to have a lot of traffic to really make a ton of money off of those smaller offers. Whereas if you're focusing on a larger offer like a course, that's something that you can directly tie to your podcast. You'll be able to see in my opinion and in my experience, you'll be able to see like a clear ROI from your podcast to your course or like some sort of larger offer versus versus those smaller ticket offers. And I think 
you also mentioned how sometimes these funnels have like way too many steps. And I think what Mm -hmm. we need to remember as podcasters is that's the beauty of having a podcast is that you are in people's ears every single week. And so people tend to build that trust and connection with you way faster than they do on other platforms. And so you don't have to necessarily always take them through all of these million steps before you ask them to buy. Like you can ask them directly to buy on your podcast. Oh, a thousand percent. And so I think what ends up happening, right, when you have too many of these things going, you're creating a freebie every week, you're recording a podcast every week, you're sitting on a newsletter every week. Those things are a big creative suck when your steps aren't converting. So this is another thing where people realize, oh, wow, I do have a funnel in place. I do have all these steps. There's no new fancy technology you have to buy. If you have a funnel that works, it's going to convert. So it's going to take people on your email list and they're going to buy. It's going to take people from your podcast and they're going to buy. That is conversion. So if you're not seeing those conversion rates, you're probably not educating your audience enough on why they need you. You're giving so much of the how-to, again, that they don't have a reason to want to say, oh, yep, I want to pay money for that. They have to understand that their need for you is so great that like they need to purchase XYZ in order to achieve that that result. I think on TPT, this looks like bundling more of a bunch of your low ticket offers and only selling them as a bundle so that people have to pay you a bigger chunk of change, right? So like one thing I should, I'm I'm preaching to myself here. Again, I don't like keep up with my TBT page. I told you that, Sarah, I was like, I need to hire a coach for it. (laughs) But like, I have a monologue template on there because I used to teach theater. And if somebody, like multiple people buy it every week and I'm like, you know what? I need to bundle that with the unit that it goes with. Because again, people, if they need to have the lesson plans that go with this template. So otherwise they're not going to, first of all, the lesson they're going to teach probably won't be as long as engaging for kids. And two, they won't get as many lessons out of it using that template. That's the perfect example of giving someone more value in a higher ticket package, right? So I'm going to go do that as soon as as soon as we are done recording today. (laughs) Yeah, I think bundles are such a great idea and such a great thing to really focus on for your podcast because also the great thing about that is if you can bundle a bunch of different resources together, you know, that that go around the same kind of theme, that's also going to give you that much more content to like, you could almost create like a little mini series on your podcast, like a series of episodes that are all about this same topic that you could be driving people to that bundle in all of these episodes. Because again, we know that people need to hear about things over and over. So it gives you multiple opportunities to be talking about that bundle. Okay. I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit here. So feel free to say it. I love being on the spot. (laughs) But I, I just think in this in this conversation, examples are like, are going to be super helpful for people. Mm -hmm. So you talked about how you have that resource in your TBT store that you could bundle together. Can you give Mm -hmm. an example of maybe like a couple, like how would you, if you had a podcast and you were driving people to that bundle, like what would be maybe a couple episode ideas to funnel people into that bundle without like giving away too much? I think it's a, I call it a golden thread, right? We've, we've all heard of like that golden thread analogy. It's a matter of 
connecting, again, the why your ideal client is experiencing something and then pitching them on the how, which is not giving them the steps, but instead it's pointing them to this resource. So it's a matter of if you want more of XYZ to know how to overcome XYZ, then go to my link here to purchase the full blah, 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 to understand how you can overcome blah, 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 once and for all. (laughs) Hopefully that made sense. Fill in the blanks with like your context, but that's why the reason a lot of people don't feel like they can pitch that is because they just explained everything Mm. that whatever they're wanting to sell in the bundle is included in that. You get what I'm saying? So there's no reason to pitch it because you just gave them everything on your podcast or you just gave them everything in your freebie. Mm. So why that's why it's feeling off to people. That's called, that's what I call misalignment within your funnel and giving away too much value. A lot of the times we don't feel confident pitching because why would the person have a reason to purchase it if we're giving away everything in an Instagram caption or we're giving away any, right? I see a lot right now, for example, circulating with the science of reading in the sense that a lot of tutors and other educators are trying to tell parents and teachers how to do this in an Instagram post. It's like, it is not possible to, to like, it's so in depth. And that's what a lot of us are trying to do with our areas of expertise. For example, my program is 120 days long. There is no way in a 19 page ebook, in a 30 minute discovery call, in a 20 minute podcast episode, even over multiple ones that I could possibly equip someone (laughs) to do all the things that my program does in that amount of time. But that's what a lot of us are trying to do with our content, which is our sales copy. So when you, you know, when we put in our heads, okay, with my funnel, what do these steps tangibly look like? Like what's the physical aspect of it? And it's your sales copy. It's what you're writing. It's what you're saying. It's anything that is on your Instagram, on your website, on your TPT page, like anything that your ideal client can see, that sales copy is what is determining whether or not those steps, aka your offers, are converting. And so we've got to reverse engineer and really backwards plan, which we as educators are so good at doing. But instead of starting with the details of the what, which is what someone should pay us for and the how, instead, we've got to start back at the why. Why do these Mm -hmm. problems exist for this person? And how can I educate them on that? So to go back to the example of science of reading, And I know this is a very controversial topic, whichever side you stand on. Here's why XYZ hasn't been working or here's why XYZ has been working. So you, you draw attention to that rather than here's what you can do right now to start implementing. That's, again, doing teachers a huge disservice thinking that they can just walk in and and do this without more support. And so... I know it's a mental shift because we as teachers just want to give, 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 but you've got to realize that that's really hurting your ideal client in the long run because only you, you yourself can help give them all the things they need. Yeah. So well said. And it, it makes me think, we talked about how when you're giving so much and you're really doing the step by step by step, you are in turn, kind of giving people that false hope. And I also think that when we are trying to teach every detail of something on a podcast episode, it also is 
kind of putting our listeners at a disservice because they are – think about what people are doing when they're listening to podcasts. They're usually multitasking. They're usually driving or they're exercising or they're doing stuff around the house. And so they might hear all of this great information that you're giving them, but they're probably not going to actually go and then implement it either. Or they might feel completely like overwhelmed mm-hmm. at the exactly. end of the episode too. So so many things can go wrong in those scenarios. And I feel like a lot of times uh, another like simple solution to this is maybe try some shorter episodes. I think sometimes people sit down to record and their episodes are, you know, 30 plus minutes and they're giving away so much and they're going in so much detail about every single thing in the episode. So even just shortening those episodes, I think, can often help kind of make sure that you're not giving everything away in your podcast. A thousand percent. I think what you're communicating is like quality over quantity, right? And that really points back to, to like the issue of too many offers, like that quantity piece versus is what you're rolling out, like quality in the sense that people want more and that they need to pay you. Now, there are some educators who like aren't really driven by, you know, making more money or making more sales. I think the majority that I know are like, they want that, right? Yeah. For some, it is like a passion project, but I think overall, you know, fitting this even more back into the, into the concept of funnels, a lot of the hangups we have with continuing to teach instead of like educating in this different way on the how, on the why comes back to like some of the habits and mindsets that have been ingrained in us since we became educators, which is that we have to keep giving, 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 and we can't set boundaries, even with our pricing, even with what we roll out for free. And so a lot, even for myself, this was something I faced, you know, last year when I went full-time in business, I had to face myself and the guilt that I felt for charging my worth is what I call it. I had a coach that coached me on that. And so I also want to normalize that this is like a process that takes time. And, you know, this podcast can serve as an example for anyone who's listening to on like how I just presented to you, like marketing and sales funnels, right? Like I didn't tell you, Hey, here's how to fix your funnel or Hey, here's how to write all your sales copy for every step in your funnel. But I did spark things in your head about, oh, wow, okay, that's why that might not be converting. That's why this step might not be converting. And so if people go and find, okay, I think I might be able to fix this on my own, but I don't think I can, right? Then that's when they might come back to me and say, hey, I need your help. That's that same energy that you want for whatever the main thing is that you're trying to sell that is going to make you the big bucks. That's the mentality that you kind of have to think about when you're about to write a caption, you're about to write an email or record a podcast. Yeah. Think through that and really ask yourself, is the person listening going to think that they can go off and do this on their own? And if the answer is yes, (laughs) that's a great rule of thumb for, okay, I'm probably giving away too much value. Unless again, if that's your vibe and that's what you want to do and that's like your mission, go for it. But if your goal is to make more sales, that question will serve you really well. 
Yeah, absolutely. I <laughs> I know just hearing you talk about that, like honestly, that is something that I'm working on too is because <laughs> I, I do believe that you need to be giving valuable information. Like nobody wants to sit mm-hmm. through every podcast episode and it just be like right. a sales page or a sales pitch. Sorry. Oh, the worst. So bad. Right. <laughs> or like 10 minutes into the episode and they're finally like getting to the chunk or the meat of the episode. It's so annoying. It's awful. It's awful. But finding that balance is really hard, which I think we can all attest to. And I think everybody's been in that situation. I know for me, like it is a hard balance because I teach so much about podcasting. It's hard to sit down and really think about, okay, how am I going to present this in a way that allows people to walk away from this episode feeling like they learned something, feeling right, you know, r- good about taking whatever next steps they need to, but also thinking, oh, maybe I need to go join Sarah's course or I need to work yes. with Sarah. I mean, I think it's something that we're constantly, and you mentioned this is a process, like this is something that I think all of us will always be fine tuning and really finding that balance. But back to that idea of backwards planning, I think that's huge. Knowing where you eventually want people to be, start there and work backwards and think about how you can really create your content in a really intentional way to get people to that point where they feel like they really want and need to buy from you. Also, going back to your point about, especially in the education space, charging your worth or feeling like you can charge people at all is something that a lot of people struggle with in this space. And I often get asked, I'm starting my podcast. When can I start like really pitching my offers or selling things. And I'm like, day one, day one, you start talking (laughs) about your offers. Because if you wait six months and then you finally like mention, hey, I sell things or I have this great course or membership, your audience is already going to be, they're going to be so used to you not doing that, that it's going to, it might backfire for you if you wait too long to start actually selling on your show. Right. I think the key with that is thinking through what is, this is why the step-by-step and understanding what your ideal client will need next to build trust with you. Because when you think about the depth of your funnel, as people progress through the steps, your goal is to increase trust and minimize risk, right? So as that trust becomes greater, the risk of like the fears and then paying money and all that are going to decrease. So if you ask them to take a step next, that is too high risk because they haven't built enough trust with you, that's when it's not going to convert. So thinking through where's my audience at, like on a scale of warm to hot or cold (laughs) to hot, like where do they fall? A lot of the times we build our funnels for warm traffic, meaning it's people that already have some kind of trust with us, potentially know us through a connection, when we really need to build our funnels for cold traffic, people that come to us randomly and say, okay, what is this person about? Because a funnel that is built for that is also going to be a funnel that is built for your warm traffic. And that is really, really critical when thinking about, okay, what is the offer that I'm going to pitch next? Maybe there's some from your marketing funnel and one from your sales funnel in your podcast, right? That's where it just depends on who is your audience and really what step does this podcast fall at in my funnel to know 
what is the next step someone's going to want to take after they listen? Yeah, that is absolutely great advice about planning things for cold traffic. I think that that's amazing. And especially because people could be tuning in for the first time because they just heard from you on another podcast, or they could be listening for the 10th week in a row. So, or they could be, could have found you through a Google search. So you really do have this (laughs) mix of people, right? Right, right. Yeah. I I think you did a great job. It was like a few minutes ago where you like inserted a line about your course, but it was like very natural and like fit in to what we were already saying. That is an excellent example of how to seamlessly, that's a golden thread, right? Mm. Because it connected to something I was already talking about that I had naturally brought up, or maybe it was you that it it was something that one of us said that it made sense in that moment. And that's how you weave it in. Just like how I've woven in examples for my own business of how I work with clients and things that I do to help them align. And so it's not this like clear, like, okay, now it's time for me to pitch my offer. It's not (laughs) like that. It just seamlessly fits in and that, and that should be the goal. And I think that your model, you know, where you bring in guests to Mm -hmm. talk to, I think that's one of that's on the podcast I had way back when, That was what I did too. And I think it's a really easy way inside your marketing funnel to be able to talk about like your offer seamlessly because someone else is also naturally bringing in things for you that connect to your line of work. So when you choose guests that like compliment you, just like you've done, Sarah, I think that's a great thing for everyone to pay attention to versus just being like, okay, this is me getting on and talking. And there are a lot of great people that do that solo, do an amazing job at it. But I think the guest piece and community, that's really critical and can expose your funnel to other audiences as well. Yeah. Now we touched on, we talked a lot about this already, but in terms of including your podcast in your marketing funnel, are there any kind of like do's and don'ts that we haven't touched on? So I would say when you're thinking about like setting up the steps and where you want it to fall, right? I would say a podcast is most similar to a freebie or a lead magnet. So if you like where someone, right, joins your email list. So in my mind, I would have whatever that lead magnet or freebie is like complement what you're doing on your podcast so that someone has a reason every time for those listeners, you have a way to follow up with them, right? Because otherwise, if you don't get them on an email list, you have no way of continuing to warm them up inside of your marketing funnel. And most of us already have email lists or at least have attempted to build one. So I would say your podcast should really be driving towards that if it were me. And it's a really great way to kind of track the ROI of your show too. If yeah. you're like keeping an eye on that email list and seeing how many subscribers you're getting. Absolutely. Because if you know, you're know you not seeing those conversion rates, then I would look into that piece that I mentioned about, okay, how am I giving away too much value? And there's also the flip side of that, which we haven't really talked about. I think you talked about this a little bit actually, where it's like, You also don't want that other extreme of where like all you're doing is selling. That's why the webinar and the masterclass model, honestly, have really died out because 
people got so used to people getting on those classes and not actually giving them any value. So when I say not giving away too much value, I'm not talking about going to the extreme of that because we also have this piece of the puzzle where it's like, maybe what you're saying isn't speaking to your ideal client and it's not giving enough value for them to be able to say, okay, I want more, right? Yes. Because it's like that sweet spot. If it's just the right amount, then they're going to go do what you say after the podcast to buy whatever it is or to download whatever it is that whatever that next step is you're wanting them to do. So that's a really important piece of the puzzle to think about too, is you know that lack of conversion rate could be either too much or too little value. Yeah, absolutely. It's such a fine line. And I mean, with how much content there is out there, people will, if they hear, if the first time they tune into an episode and they don't feel like they're getting anything out of it, they (laughs) probably will never come back. Yeah, they'll never come back. They'll never hit that follow button or subscribe button and they will probably never listen again. So yeah, I mean, it's, It's true. It's scary, but it's true. I mean, you really have to be intentional with your content. Yeah, I actually just did a post on this yesterday about like content curation versus content creation, because when you curate, you're reading other people's ideas and then you're putting those into your words. When you create, you're not having to look at anybody else's content to get ideas. You are creating from scratch. And so you become the trend that then everyone else wants to curate from. So A lot of the times when my clients come to me, they struggle with being able to write that sales copy, aka content creation, that actually speaks to their level of expertise and why their ideal clients would need them. And so again, that's what I would encourage your listeners to take a look at. Because if you tell me I get a one-to-one call in a package or I get 12 lessons in a course, that means nothing to me. Everyone's doing that everyone's selling a course, like, you've got to tell me something that's going to change my life. So, (laughs) If you tell me that that's what's going to make us want to buy, right. And so that's that we're looking at other courses that other people are selling content curation. And we're saying, Oh, well, they typed out their format like this, that they have this many lessons. And everything is just so generic to Mm -hmm. bring it back to what you said. There's I mean, I think the stat is actually like people see 4000 marketing messages a day. Oh, my God. Look, I mean, I don't know about y'all, but when I get on my explore feed and I see at least once a day, multiple times a day, somebody's a social media manager has done a post on like five content ideas for blah, 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 right? A TPT store seller. Everybody's like, it's just, it's all so similar. So you've really got to figure out how to not look at other people's messages and really create your own with your sales copy. And it's hard because we're in that information vortex. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. And that's why you really need to, you need to limit how many people you're following that are in the same space as you, because whether it's intentional or not, and I know it's probably not intentional, but when you're constantly surrounding yourself by people who are doing similar things as you and have similar audiences, you're going to accidentally, I don't, I'm blanking on the word. Yeah. Regurgitate. You're going to regurgitate. Yeah. And that's just going to happen. So, and it's going to make you feel probably less than, even though you're not. Oh, so how's it right? I mean, just a little disclaimer there. Go unfollow yeah. like five people if they make you feel like you're not doing enough or 
Yeah, I actually have a lead gen specialist for that, Sarah, because for whatever reason, the algorithm wants to bring us. Yes. What you're describing is they <laughs> want to bring us people in the same industry as us instead yeah. of people that want to buy from us. Right. The two are very different. So we've we've essentially just touched on like two other key pieces of funnels, which is do you actually have ideal client leads if it's through social media in your audience one? And two, a really important piece of looking at your funnel steps is understanding why or why not your sales copy is converting. And if it's not, it's one of those reasons is probably because it sounds like everybody else and you're doing the five reasons to not blah, blah, blah post Mm -hmm. that everybody else is doing and the 10 things you didn't know about. I mean, it's right. Like we could, and I've done some of those, like I'm guilty. I'm not saying that I'm totally separate (laughs) from that. But it's just like, that's why we've got to take time, like you said, outside of the online space to really pause and think for ourselves. And that's what's crazy about the information world is because when you sit down, your mind is probably going to things that other people have said. And for that reason, I created an entire say yes sales copywriting method inside my program that teaches you how to do that because it's so freaking hard. And I've spent the last like four years figuring it out because it's just like, it's so frustrating to feel like you can't come up with fresh ideas. And that's probably why your funnel is feeling stale. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's so true. It's hard to figure out how to set yourself apart from so many other people. Yes. And it's true because everyone is starting a business now, but I will say just to encourage everyone That is a saturated market is a great market. That means that there is demand and that should not, some people struggle with the mindset of that. Well, everyone is selling the same thing. And it's like, that's what the joy of having an aligned funnel brings though, is because you feel that confidence of, okay, I might be selling a similar, some kind of something, but here's why mine is different. And here's why it stands out. And here's why it's badass. Like, yeah. Don't don't quit on that's what I would say with listening that's discouraged too is like just because you see everybody else selling the same thing as you, like there is only one you yes. and only you can sell and do what you do to the level that you do it. No one else can do it like you. And you just have to keep telling yourself that until you feel it. Yes, mic drop. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes, it's so true. You just have to figure out how you can convey that to your audience. Yes, exactly. Awesome. Well, I feel like we got into so much good stuff. We did. We really did. Now, to wrap things up, I have two questions that, well, kind of three questions that I ask all of my guests that are mostly just for fun. And the first one is, if you could interview a favorite childhood star just for fun, who would it be? So I thought about this one for a while. I was trying to think back to like, okay, in high school and middle school, like what were some of my favorite all-time movies I saw? And the top was definitely The Sisterhood of the Traveling Plants with Blake Mm. Lively. I think it was like one of her first big movies. So um, my friends and I, my high school girlfriends and I copied them and we had, instead of like the jeans or whatever, I think that they passed around, (laughs) we had a ring that we passed around for like two summers in a row that like whenever... One of us went on vacation. We took the ring and we had to write each other letters about what was happening. And it was like one of the best memories I have in oh, high I school. Love that. So I decided Blake Lively because I just think her and Ryan Reynolds like do such a great job of like balancing their careers and families and being entrepreneurs. And so like at this point in my life, 
I would just love to hear like how they do it because from what I see, they just have a wonderful dynamic and just that entrepreneur entrepreneurial spirit at the same time. Even if it came from being famous, it counts. Like you still have to have business skills and marketing and all that stuff to be able to do it. Yeah, absolutely. That's such a great answer. I would love to hang out with them for a day. <laughs> I know. And yeah. like they're cute kids. <laughs> yes. Yes. That would be amazing. And then do you have any favorite podcasts right now? It could be business related or not. Yes. I have been a big fan of the How I Built This podcast for mm-hmm. a while. So he interviews, you know, big, big brands. Um, and what's amazing about every single one of them is like, they started from, I mean, quite literally nothing. Like they had to build a brand just like all of us. And so I think it's it's always inspiring to me to hear, especially too, like with product base, because a lot of the people he interviews like have a product, like how much trial and error there was and like experimentation and just like backtracks and steps forward. And so it's always a pick me up to listen to those. Yes, that's a great one. And then lastly, tell us where we can find you online so people can connect with you. Yes. So you can go to coachtina.com and there you will find how to turn 20 clicks into 10K cash. It's my $0 ebook. So make sure you download it to learn exactly how you can do that. Those are the kind of results that my clients and I are getting. So would love for you to learn how. Perfect. And we will have all of those links in the show notes. So you can go check out her freebie, her website, Instagram, all of that great stuff. Well, Stina, thank you so much. This has been such a fun conversation and it's really given me a lot to think about in terms of like how I might want to, you know, tweak my, (laughs) tweak my content a little bit and my copy and my podcast episode. So I hope that it's done the same for everybody else. Thank you so much. Thank you, Sarah, for having me. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. To keep this conversation going, connect with me on Instagram at Podcasting for Educators. I'm always looking for an excuse to talk about podcasting. If you're looking for support in launching, managing, or growing your podcast, check out my online course, the Podcasting for Educators Prep School at podcastingforeducators.com slash prep school. I'll see you here next time.